Welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I have on the line with me Clint Clifton. Clint, how are you doing today? Josh, I'm, I'm really uh, not doing great. I just came back from the gym <laughs> thanks to our uh, thanks to our podcast interview with Noah Oldham. So, wow, uh, yeah, no, good for you. Well, I had been going to the gym before that, but I, I I've turned it up a notch. I think. Yeah, I, I still am am inspired by that conversation. I'm actually trying to transfer off of being on a keto diet to something that's a little bit more realistic. So um, if people miss that, that was our episode that we did this past week. Just uh, go on iTunes or Google Play, check that out. Um, maybe I'll just put a link to it in the show notes as well. Uh, we're talking all about church planting. And uh, on this episode... Clint, you had a chance to talk with Dean Folks, and he is the pastor of LifePoint Church out of Columbus or in the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio. They have a bunch of satellite campuses, um, and you did a great job of getting into the weeds with him on some very practical issues about multi-site, church planting, multiplication. What are you hoping that uh, church planters will hear as they're listening to this episode? Yeah, well, I mean, all of us, everybody who sets out to win people for Jesus and build Jesus's church, I mean, we're all thinking about what the best and most effective and efficient way to do that is, as well as we want to honor the Lord. We want to pay attention to God's word and what he has to say about the, uh, about how the church should be structured and organized. And um, I think most of us in the evangelical world don't desire to be like, bishops and have control over a whole bunch of you know parishes all over the place so it, anyway with all that said we're everyone's wrestling and we have been for maybe 20 years or something with what the best way to do this is how does the multi-site movement fit into um just the regular work of starting new churches and sending people to spread the gospel so i it was a insightful conversation dean's one of those guys that i really respect for his um uh, I mean, he's a good preacher. He's a fantastic leader. He's also um, a very theologically minded, like he's he's not sloppy theologically. So, you know, he's he's thoughtful, yet he's decided to do both. And uh, and so it was it was fun to dig into the conversation a little bit with him. No, it was great stuff. And, you know, I, th I think he's pretty far down the road, obviously, in church planting and he's got a big church. But I love uh, his, you know, as big as the church is, he doesn't sound like he's trying to build an empire. He really is doing multiplication in a strategic way. Um, and it sounds like the guys that are pastoring with him are supported and um, are, are getting what they need to, to lead their campus under his leadership. But it sounds like they have a great deal of freedom as well. At least Dean is trying to give that to these guys. And uh, that was encouraging as I was listening to the interview. Yeah, I've been working with a few churches over the last couple of years that are are going the opposite direction. They, they have been multi-siding for, for a long time. And they're trying to, to give their campuses more autonomy. Some of them even give their campuses full autonomy. And um, it's it's a uh, it's one of those things that you know it's hard to go backwards after you release churches to to autonomy you're not you're not going to be able to bring them back again into kind of more uh, oversight and control so um, so it's an interesting thing once they these churches are in one sense nervous about it they they um, they know that 
if they're making a step toward autonomy, it's not going to be possible to ever get that back. But on the other hand, um, on the other hand, they, they feel like it's right for the churches as they mature to become autonomous. And uh, so so it's fun to watch that process play out because we saw everyone ramping toward the the multi-site thing, yeah. you know, for the last last you know little bit. And then and then now those who have been multi-siting really well most of them are thinking about how to release their campuses to become churches. It's a, it's a very, uh, it's a, it's a great strategy. Uh, my dad is a church planter. He's pa- he was pastoring a established church. They started a second site. He went over there 18 months after starting that site and God touched his heart one day when he was preaching live to this smaller campus. And he said, I'm going to turn my main church over to my assistant. I'm going to come over here and help plant this as a new church. And uh, and he had he had a core group to work with. Um, he had an he had a somewhat established church that he could uh, begin with. So it's a great strategy if guys are willing to. Um, it, it, it's not building your own empire. It's it's this, uh, but it's it, you get some momentum going uh, through this idea of a multi-site campus. So, I appreciated everything you got into. Let's jump into the episode now uh, with Dean Folks. Dean Folks, thanks for being here with me. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. I appreciate you having me. So, um, I went to your church a couple years ago um, when we had the we had a conference in uh, in Ohio. And man, it was really impressive. Yeah, it was good to have you, man. We um we're super grateful for all God's done in yeah. and around our church. Yeah. Well, it's very common to expect, like in the in the work that we do in church planting, it's very common to assume that everything's going to be l- way less impressive than it seems like on the internet. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so I went in your context thinking, yeah, sure. Uh, and I was blown away by the level of excellence uh, th- with which you did what you did, uh, the care that went into like every aspect of the public worship gathering. Really, just very, very impressive across the board. So yeah, we've been blessed. God's brought um, just super gifted and humble people to be part of our team that help with all those areas. And mm. so yeah, well, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but just real quickly. Uh, how, how old were you, were you when you planted? What was the what were the circumstances with which led you to plant? Yeah, so uh, my wife and I helped plant a church. We were on part of a planting team in Memphis, Tennessee, before okay. coming back to Columbus to plant Life Point in two thousand four. Okay. So we had a couple of years under our belt, mm-hmm. and it felt like a couple of more years than that of experience. Right yeah. when you've been through that once, you feel like right. you've been through it for a long time. Yeah. Um, so coming back to Columbus to plant, um, for me was like coming home. I went to school at mm. the Ohio state university, yeah. which everyone hates around the country that we say the, <laughs> um, but, uh, coming, it's like coming home to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So coming, uh, Columbus was, was coming home. Yeah. Okay. And, um, so, um, you, when you guys got started there in Columbus, uh, with life point, did it, did it take off initially pretty, pretty quickly or did it take a while to get, yeah. So we, we, we kind of did it backwards um clint when we came we because i knew different churches we kind of had some what maybe you would call handshake or gentleman's agreements that Mm. maybe these certain churches were gonna lend people to us to get started and you know how that goes when you move to a city sometimes that works out sometimes that doesn't work out Mm. and so for us um it it didn't work out so much that a lot of people were going to come and join us yeah so we had to pretty pretty early on shift our strategy from going Let's have a crowd, then develop a core of leadership out of that. Yeah. So instead of going crowd to core, 
we decided we're gonna have to flip that on its head mm-hmm. and go core to crowd yeah so for us we started a bible study um we had 13 people at our first bible study in a house yeah and then from there we just kept meeting monthly for a while until we couldn't meet in a house anymore and then we mm-hmm. launched after about six months okay and uh now fast forward 15 years mm-hmm. um the church is is strong you've multiplied uh mm-hmm. churches you've planted new churches raised up leaders from within You've uh, brought in some guys to resident with you. Mm-hmm. You've multi-sided also. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell, uh, let's talk about that a little bit, like how you sort through those decisions. I think a lot of the um, questions I field today from um, church planners that have been on the field for a little while is the how of multiplication, not just that, like the nuts and bolts of how to do it, but philosophically how, like how, how do we go, you know, how do we think about multi-site stuff in the big picture? And so how how, how is your team sorted through that? Yeah, so we... We thought we were going to go the pure multi-site route, mm-hmm. um, but do it just in a little different way by raising up guys to teach. We, we didn't feel like we'd had a couple of different churches in our city that had tried video kind of venue styled multi-site. Mm-hmm. It did not work well. So we thought, and we, we probably don't want to be the early adopters on that mm-hmm. approach. So we decided let's go the route. We're going to raise up guys, let them teach. Mm. And really what that led us to was a completely kind of a different model of multi-site, really a hybrid model mm. of multi-site for us that, um, man, that we love, to be honest. I, I did not think I would like it. I didn't think I would like sharing the teaching prep and all of that. Um, but, man, it's worked out now to where across – our four sites we have four live teachers mm. each one of those guys really functions as the pastor yeah. of their church it, it was great uh, last year during football season um, my son's football team played an away game in one of the communities that we mm. had that we've planted in and so i'm sitting there at this away football game and uh this lady and family are sitting next to me and uh, they only had one set of bleachers mm. right so it's both you know fans are in one group so i <laughs> just start conversation and she, her name was Karen, I remember, and she, I got going, and I thought, well, I'm going to see if I can turn this conversation, so I just asked her, do you go to church anywhere, and she's like, yeah, we just started going to this brand new church in our community, and I was like, oh, great, what's it called, she's like, it's called LifePoint, mm. and she had no idea who I was, yeah. right, never seen me, never heard from me, and that's awesome. even though our team tried to do a yeah. good job in their, that community, and so I thought, you know, that's kind of how it ought to be. That is how it ought to yep. be, yeah, that's so cool, yeah, I had a similar experience a couple of years ago, I went to a church that I helped plant when I was uh, in high school, and um, I went in and walked in the back and hadn't been there in 15 years or something like that and had a great worship experience. The whole time I was there, not one person recognized me. <laughs> and, uh, and I left there feeling like so satisfied. You yeah. know, this was awesome. They were, they were talking about from the platform that day at church, they were helping to start. And it was just like nobody, the pastor was gone that was there. When, you know, it's like, it was just a completely different place. Yep. Uh, but that's, that's really satisfying to sure. see um, that kind of multiplication happening. So, so as you go, go into the weeds of that just a little bit, mm-hmm. you've, you referenced the, the model, the hybrid. Yeah. But what is the hybrid exactly? So with our first plant in 2013, we sent as many folks as we could. But that, that town, that location, because we've tried to go and approach different collegiate towns around us. So there were only about 15 people maybe who were driving that 45-minute drive Mm -hmm. to our church. But we sent a staff member who Adam had been with us at that point by about seven years on Mm -hmm. our team and started as a part-time student pastor, then full-time, then family ministries pastor. That's where he was from. So Mm -hmm. we sent him home. So we knew there was enough synergy there for him to gather people 
just from existing relationships. Mm. And so um, they did a great job in Mount Vernon, and that went well. And we also sent a college student at the time, he just graduated from college, with Adam to minister to college students mm. in that plant because we thought that he had the gifting, the calling, and the passion to eventually lead for us. Yeah. So three years later, his name's Kale. Three years later, he had just gotten married, and so we multiplied Kale out of Mount Vernon. He came back to our Lewis Center campus, our original campus, incubated with us for a while and then we sent him to delaware now we had 11 life groups that were meeting in delaware so Mm. we just said to all 11 of our life groups this should become your church and your in your community are you talking about delaware the state or delaware uh city delaware ohio it's a city yeah yeah another college town ohio wesleyan university is there so okay and so, so the uh, walk us through the weekly preparation for your your worship services. The four of you guys are meeting together and walking through text. Yeah, no, we are not. Um, so we get together once a month and we talk through what's coming. So we all teach the same big idea, same series, same passage. Okay. From there, it's pretty much yours mm-hmm. in terms of the application mm-hmm. for your community. Are you concerned about the future implications of identity? name identity but as churches grow inevitably leadership changes all sorts of things go on i know our network has been thinking about that a lot yeah um how are you thinking about that so we're thinking right now about what does it look like for one uh, or more of our campuses eventually to take ownership and create a multiplying network yeah from where they are right so we haven't got we haven't got the details figured out about it but Mm. we're thinking ahead about that for us so one of the criteria right now as we're thinking about it for that is that you have to multiply yeah and when we say multiply we're saying you have to send 10 percent of your people out Mm. so there's a wonderful sacrifice and joy that comes with that so when we sent those 11 life groups to delaware that was about 10 percent of our congregation yeah and um i'll never forget standing up that first sunday and there's this big donut hole right yeah. in there because those folks have been with us for a decade they sure. were friends and they were our most missional people they were right. and so but man god just in his kindness has filled that thing right back in yeah. and leaders have stepped up and so then we got the crazy idea to do it again in 2018 so we mm. had about nine life groups meeting over in a community called westerville mm. so we brought in a leader from outside of our context incubated him for a year Mm. with us and then we sent him Mm. and those nine life groups and they've started meeting over in westerville and are you guys uh, from a brass tax standpoint are you still centralizing operations funds all that stuff is is yeah so we try to make it as easy as we can Mm. for the guys who are leading those campuses so the things that typically church planters don't want to do um hr financial administration uh, design website all all of that kind of stuff is all central Mm -hmm. then we have processes that extend across our campuses that um, make things even easier now Mm -hmm. if you were to talk to the other guys if they were standing here they would say yes they make things easier and they make things harder exactly (laughs) exactly so are are you um just again brass tacks forgive Mm -hmm. me but are, are you their boss yeah, I'm you their are. leader on our okay. team. Okay, mm-hmm. and so you can f- fire those guys if they go off the wrong right. direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. and do you intend it to always be that way, or do you think there will be a time in the future where the relationship will be different? Yeah, I think 
that there will be a time in the future where that relationship will change. Mm. Um, so we want entrepreneurial leaders. We want we want planters. Right. And eventually, I think just the organic nature of that relationship, mm. m- much like parent to teenager, it just changes. Mm. And there comes a point. Yeah, when you're restless. Yeah. yeah. And are you, um, you know, in your current setup with them, are they sustainable financially? Are you requiring them to sort of like only operate on the budget amount that they're bringing in? Or are you, you yeah. lending funds for that? So with our Mount Vernon campus, because they were more like a launch, like a plant, we, we subsidized them over five years. Mm-hmm. With Delaware and Westerville, since we sent that so many people with them, we kind of housed their budget in yeah. our budget for the first year, but after that, we said, "What you have is what you yeah. is what you have." So yeah. they build their budget annually off of the mm-hmm. the projection based on the giving from right. the previous yep. year at their campus. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. gotcha. But from an ops standpoint, you run all that together. Yes. Okay, right. great. Yep. And um, but it all is there also church planting, like kind of more pure church planting going on from from life point as well yeah we've been the supporting we've had a supporting role with about 17 plants yeah. um currently we are a supporting church for uh calgary denver um we've helped uh, we've been a supporting church for toronto and now mm-hmm. in new york city mm-hmm. yeah D- just individual church plants in yes. those places mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And how do you make those choices about what churches you support? Because you're in a role with NAM, so you're interacting with, you right? Know, you just resonate with a guy, and you're like, I like that dude. And so the way that we do it is, we've said to each of our campuses, find someone that you resonate with. Mm-hmm. So each of our campuses is a lead mm-hmm. in those partnerships, but other folks from different campuses can go if they go on a trip yeah. or whatever. But so basically, the campus that I'm at, we're partnered up with Calgary, uh, Delaware's partnered mm-hmm. up with Denver, Mount Vernon's partnered up with New York City and our Westerville campus. They're still kind of looking. I, I think they're going to go to Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, but hmm. Well, you, um, in, in your role at uh, the church now, are you preaching every weekend, basically, or you have a teaching team? Yeah, we, we have a team. One of the challenges for me um, is has been that as we have launched churches, we're sending out our best teachers. Yeah. And right. so I find myself in that movement of having someone while they incubate and there's a really there's a synergistic sharing yeah, that goes yeah, on yeah. there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're gone. Yeah. And, and then you have to yeah. yeah. Uh, now we just we just called a new church based CPC to our church who's yeah. a great teacher. His name's Chad Grigsby. And so he's already taught at all four of our locations. Okay. So he's gonna be super helpful in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now t- talk to the the pastor whose church has been going for a little while they're experiencing some growth and they don't quite know how they can interact with the resources that uh, NAM offers Mm -hmm. Um, how has NAM worked with you guys Um, I mean obviously you're playing this sort of dual role of your NAM representative in any area but you are that because NAM saw you as sort of doing the right kinds of things Mm -hmm. so so how has NAM been a partner for you in that yeah, so they have been great in looking at what we do as this kind of hybrid planting yeah. approach, knowing that each of our sites has its own SBC ID number, mm-hmm. as its long-term vision that more than likely they're all going to spin off at some point, yeah. and we're going to continue to do what we've been doing, yeah. uh, which is why we set up 
you know, hopefully we'll set up one of the criterion for that just to multiply mm. out so that DNA is there. Yeah. They've done it anyway. I think for me, the one thing that I did not realize about multiplication was just the sacrifice that's involved yeah. with it and the emotional toll that can take on right. you um, over time. And at but the same time, it's worth it. it. Yeah, it's totally if your experience it. is like mine, you're in a collegiate environment, I'm in a military environment, mm-hmm. that turnover, I mean, you come, to, you, you come to the realization that turnover is happening anyway. Yep. I mean, right. so it does hurt, it stings, yep. but I mean, I, I, it stings either way. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. so, uh, you know, I think it's really, I think about the guys who do not have, don't, aren't in an environment where people are churning all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the guys where, man, that would be really, really challenging. Yeah, eventually, the, if people come and they stay um, so long and they kind of top out in leadership mm. and what they can do, the only option we give them sometimes is to just kind of turn inward and become inward mm. focused. And eventually, that's going to cause a problem. Yeah. So sending is the answer for that, that right? That is the answer, yeah. um, Multiply them, send them. Um, that way you do it in a healthy way. Mm. I've, our experience has been that I think our church has been much more peaceful. There's not been a whole lot of conflict mm-hmm. in our church, Absolutely. even even with as many kind of crazy things as we've done or like bold moves that we've made. Yeah. It it's there's not a lot of conflict because you know all, the outlet. There's always an outlet for yeah. for a leader to spread their wings because there's no such thing as a limited number of stages. Right. You know our communities all around us are those stages. So. Yeah, and just like you guys, when you build it on multiplication, you want people to multiply themselves, right? Yeah. To make disciples, you want mm-hmm. groups to multiply into mm-hmm. other groups, and you want those groups of groups to get mm-hmm. together and multiply themselves into mm-hmm. churches. So, like you said, there's always another step yeah. for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. in front of them. So, yeah, I heard, I, I can't remember who it was, but I heard a, a Christian leader say one time that, you know, most pastors, they make the, the pinnacle of the Christian life, like serving as an elder or mm-hmm. something inside the church. Yep. And, um, and that clicked when I was a young pastor. Like, no, I want to make sure that I have a, a sort of a transcendent and outside the church. Mm-hmm you know, pinnacle of the Christian life that I'm depicting, no, you can go and serve the Lord Jesus somewhere else. Yep. And, um, it's just uh, encouraging to think about how God might use us in a long-term way if we were constantly sending people out like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so you've been doing this 15 years. I, we started in the same year. So, oh, um, wow. yeah. yeah, so I've, I've got 15 years now too. I, I heard, um, I heard Mark Dever say one time, a long time ago, uh, young guys tend to uh, overestimate what they can accomplish in two years and underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years. Yeah, that's Are you word. feeling that way right now in your ministry? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think the longer that we do what, what we're doing, the more drawn I feel towards, um, the margins yeah. of ministry. Um, we're, we're kind of noodling ideas right now about how can we create um, processes and identities to create marketplace mm. ministries that are separate and outside mm. of us and something we've uh, quite honestly we, I mean we've done series on work and yeah. you know that all those kinds of things but um, but to create um, self-sustaining businesses mm. that operate on Christian principles mm. um, who what who knows what they'll become? Will they become right. micro churches? Will they become? Right. I don't have any idea about that yet. We've not gotten that far, but um, the longer I do this, the more I think about where is the church not mm-hmm. reaching that we should be. Yeah, we were talking about. I was talking with somebody earlier today about the that that 
sort of reconciliation idea that we want to be holistic in the approach that we reach our communities to reach our communities and sometimes uh, I think in our tribe at least there has been uh, we've avoided that kind of work because we're afraid that it'll lead us to liberalism you know and um and it's um there's got to be some some version in between where it doesn't lead us to liberalism but it does lead us to a holistic uh, loving our community and figuring out how to serve the uh, the marginalized in our community yeah Yeah. well uh, we don't need to look any further right than the book of acts and paul making tents and those i mean the work that he did to see that it's absolutely not just could be but probably should be yeah yeah i think i mean fear of liberalism though especially in the sbc where we had like a a brush with liberalism or Mm -hmm. you know came close to it has i think kept a lot of kept us away and and made us really kind of scared of that sort of thing so Mm -hmm. um it's exciting to hear about the the multiplication work that's going on it's it's also fun to see the spectrum i think of you know how different uh guys that are going out there and getting started and their churches are are like multiplication is this common theme mm-hmm. but many of us are scanning it in all these different ways and yeah. creative ways and it feels like the wild west a little bit right now like yeah. we've not settled on it seems like oh okay everything's going to settle on the multi-site thing or the church planning thing but it's like man there's this there's this, this wide spectrum and i find joy in that like I do just too. looking out and seeing that and um, the learning opportunities that that gives all of us really yeah. are incredible yeah so we can come and look at what you guys are doing in the mm. military context and yeah. go okay what what parts of that could work are transferable yeah, yeah where yeah. we are and yeah. super helpful i've been amazed working with uh brian fry and uh, i've been amazed to see how much overlap there is between the military work and um and collegiate work i mean there's just it's same age bracket you know and there's there is just a a lot of um, crossover that happens uh between those those lives so um so you're the church that you planted are 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 the different campuses in similar types of communities that you i know you mentioned they're in collegiate type of communities Mm -hmm. but but the communities are pretty similar. Yeah, so Mount Vernon is this kind of more of a self-contained rural community, mm-hmm. um, but it's all but it's gathered around the campus. Mm. Uh, Westerville actually is the largest suburb in Ohio, mm. so it's kind of this massive. Uh, uh, actually, the suburb is so big that the diversity in Westerville now is pretty incredible. Yeah, because it stretches inside of the Beltway of our city and long outside, mm. um, and then Delaware is more something in between yeah it's kind of a um, kind of half blue collar half white mm. collar mixed community with mm. some ethnicity not a ton of ethnicity but mm. it's also gathered right around a campus as well church-wide what what percentage of your congregation would you say is currently collegiate i would say we're probably 10 to 15 percent okay. collegiate so it's a, it's a relatively small percentage. So yeah. so you, mm-hmm. you have a lot of families. Uh, yes. Of, uh, okay. And the reason for that is that our original campus has no college or university ah, in that I community. See. And because it's our oldest of our four, mm. it's the largest. Um, but I'm looking at the data that's coming out of our church now, probably in the next 18 months, mm-hmm. we will cross the line of, there being more people mm. that are part of our church who are not at our original campus mm. than are. It's always been that way are. You yeah. know, we've had more people at, at the original site than at the other three locations, but that's about to tip. Yeah. Well, let's just finish up today. Let me ask you, um, looking back at the last 15 years, what's the best decision uh, that you made that has borne the most fruit 
in your early church planting work that you've seen just manifest um, great ways if you look back over the 15 years? Yeah, I think it was um, probably this multiplication decision. So two years in mm. for us, um, we didn't have a spot to me. We looked at 32 different locations. We mm. finally found somewhere outside of our target area. It was number mm. 33. Um, so we were meeting there. on Couldn't meet on Sunday mornings. We met on Sunday nights. Mm. Then um, a few months after that, on the opposite side of our target area, an older dying church mm. kind of handed their building to us. And so all of a sudden we were, we were multi-site in 2006, mm. not because of vision, not because we had this idea that, oh man, we should meet in two different mm. locations. It was just out of necessity. Yeah. So we met in this smaller church on Sunday morning that became two services. Then we did the same service on Sunday night mm. in a different location. So we learned early on that by being in different places in different locations, we could reach different groups yeah. of people. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so really, while it wasn't part of us originally, it's been around about as long as we've been around. And so mm. I think the heart of multiplication's probably been maybe being willing to sacrifice for it. Yeah. Is probably one of the better decisions that we've embraced. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dean, thank you very much for spending yeah. time talking to me Thanks today. Thanks for having me. Very helpful. Well, hey there, podcast listener. Why don't you do me a favor? If you've got a really cool church planting story, maybe a church plant you're involved in, or maybe a church planning story that you know from somewhere else, why don't you just pull out your smartphone and record that story, yourself telling that story in 30 seconds or less, and shoot it off to us at info at newcityplanting.org. If we like that story and we think it'll be edifying for other listeners, we will put that on the podcast. So just send it over to us at info at newcityplanting.org. Thanks for tuning in to the Church Planting Podcast. We'll be back next week with a new episode.